Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We are your host, Jared and James, and today we are talking all about conventions. But first, we have some exclusive news from the Nuremberg Toy Fair, thanks to Artemoflorcania.com. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. And this week we are excited to have a very special guest to introduce to you. I'm so excited. Last pod we talked about all things Disney, and this week we are talking about something that has been on a lot of our minds, especially since this Sunday is the hotel lottery for Gen Con. We're talking about attending conventions. But first, before we get to our special guest and talking conventions, we have some exclusive news. That's right. Again, thanks to Artem of Lorcania.com or Lorcania.com, which thank you, Artem, so much for this. Uh, We have a juicy piece of news that we can share with you all. Now, if you've been following the Disney Lorcana Twitter account, you know that one of the most commonly asked questions they get after gameplay is whether there will be a digital client or app. And today we have the answer. We are happy to reveal that there will be an official companion app for Disney Lorcana. That's right. So Artem got a photo of the back of the gift set and shared a piece of it with us, just like he did with the exclusive news he gave to some other content creators like the Illumiteers and We Don't Talk About Uno. Uh, Make sure you go check them out. Uh, The text says, check out the Disney Lorcana TCG companion app where you can learn the game and more. There's also a QR code next to the text so you'll be able to get the app easily i'll make sure to tweet out the image after this pod goes live so james what do we think about this news well for one it's awesome that the question is answered because it's like you said it's been like the second most asked question that uh the disney uh, lorcana official account has to answer all the time we're like we don't know um but uh, it's really cool. I mean, this is going to be kind of things. So this is a companion app, not a playing app, which means it's going to be the thing where hopefully you can track your collection, um, maybe have some counters uh, depending on what they need. Like if you don't have tokens on hand, you can use the app as your counters for things, whether it be damage or lore or whatever the counters are good for. We don't know yet, except for there's tracker tokens. So at the very least, it may take the place of some tracker tokens if you wanted to use those. So I mean, that's really cool that they're, they're, they've already got that. So, you know, I just think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's awesome that they confirmed it and that they are letting us share this. I will say for those of us who have been following along since D23, I can't say it's a huge surprise. There was that job posting that they posted where they were looking for someone to develop their website and a companion app. But to get that confirmation is kind of cool. But it just feels like we're at this point right now where they're giving us little pieces of the puzzle. And it's like, here's another piece of the puzzle. And I see it, but I don't know what the picture is. And there's still 249 more pieces of the puzzle to go. So inevitably, knowing Twitter and Discord, they're going to go on there. And for the next 10 or 15 minutes, they're going to be like, there's a digital app. It's been confirmed. And then Mushu is going to put out a video in about 15 minutes after and then in about 20 minutes later, everybody's going to say, well, what does it do? Is it a yeah. deck tracker? Is it a card collector? Is it, like you say, something that you use to track tokens with? Um, 
And then that'll devolve into gameplay talk again, like it does almost every day. <laughs> I just I just want our community to exercise patience and to know that we are going to get the answers by spring. And we're almost there. Like we're almost halfway through February. So spring will come before we know it. As you finish listening to this podcast, you just got X number of minutes closer to knowing gameplay. <laughs> That's right. Every minute closer. So, but I'm super excited and I'm so grateful to Arden from Lorcania.com for sharing, for letting us share this piece of information. Yeah, for sure. And also for the official Lorcana account for confirming and letting us share this, like you said. So, that's yeah. Awesome. So, let us know what you think. And I will be sharing pictures uh, of the back of the box probably like an hour after. So that way people have people. I'm trying to reward the people who are listening to the podcast. There you go. All right. So with that out of the way, let's get back to convention talk. With Lorcana planning to show up at Gen Con in August and possibly other conventions throughout the year, we wanted to help out anyone from first timers like me to people who've been going forever like James. <laughs> um, and what better way to do that than with our special guest? He's a veteran of numerous conventions and theme parks and going to haunted houses and all that other type of fun stuff. His name is Sean Marshall of Parks and Cons. Welcome, Sean. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right. So hello, Sean. Uh, for those of you who don't, who aren't aware, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do as Parks and Cons? Yeah. Um, Parks and Cons is my wife, Carmel, and I. Um, and we get help from time to time from people as well. Like, James, you've sent us all sorts of great pictures and video and a variety of different places and stuff. But most of the time, it's Carmel and I. And we basically cover theme parks, conventions, and haunted attractions. And so uh, kind of began around 2009. Um basically joined Twitter because it seemed like there was a lot of stuff at San Diego Comic-Con that happened around Twitter. And so I don't remember, I, mean, I think it was 08 or something. It's like, oh, we just missed out on, on things. We should make a Twitter account. So I made a Twitter account and tried to follow things. And then I would ask for help. And then I eventually found that like, instead of asking for help, it seemed like I knew how to help other people sometimes as well. Um, and that there wasn't necessarily a lot of help on specifically the floor stuff a lot of time, which was what I was most interested in is exclusives and floor things and stuff like that. And so started writing a little bit for a few different sites like connews.com and the Realmcast. And then eventually James, you and Jeremy were doing the blog and uh, Jeremy had asked about kind of joining there as well. And it was around that time that I said, well, we should kind of more solidify what we're doing. Cause it was basically me kind of like writing for different sites. And then I was like, well, let's try to solidify something ourselves. And so Carmel learned how to do like web design and podcast uh, editing and all those types of things. And so basically created the podcast, the YouTube channel, and all of that in 2014 and slowly incorporated theme parks because we went to parks quite a bit um, into the convention stuff and then a big part of theme parks in California is the Halloween season the Halloween season lasts like two and a half three months and we found there was a lot of interest in the build season so then that kind of filtered in as well and so parks and cons basically is kind of a year-round thing now as our hobby of covering they they all kind of have a season to them like the the uh, conventions go all year long but they really are the biggest ones are kind of that april to 
I'd say October. And then obviously haunt season is that, you know, August to November almost. And then the theme park stuff, a lot of the build stuff is in like February and January. So it kind of all almost fits together to kind of create seasons uh, to it all. That is so cool. Did you have any idea when you started that it would lead to all of this? No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, um, I mean, it really was just to try to learn about the things like it's been something being associated with uh, the SCCC unofficial blog of just like it was it was just hoping to learn things like people are learning from the blog all the time now, but it was really just to start with that and then it was like well you know, I had gone to conventions, like the first convention I went to, I was probably like seven or eight years old was those were Star Trek hotel cons back in those days. And so, you know, I remember standing in line to get James, Jimmy Duhan's uh, signature as Scotty and Shell Nichols as Yuhura. Those were like really like huge things to me. And so um, it kind of made sense that like, oh, I guess I know a little bit about conventions just because I had you know, them kind of in my DNA to a certain extent. And so, um, but no, I never would have thought so many, like it's, it's crazy all the opportunities that have come over the years. And I mean, for Carmel and I, it's, it is all a hobby stuff. Like I just got off of work from the real job and things like that. So it's not like it pays bills, but it's been, it's really paid in experiences and a lot of like friendships that like mean so much. Like I, I never would have ever imagined that we would, you know, get to meet so many nice people throughout all these conventions and, and things. So very appreciative of it all, you know, get to meet so many nice people throughout all these conventions and, and things. So very appreciative of it all. Absolutely. So we're going to talk con tips in a minute, but I, uh, I think we have maybe a couple general questions first. Mm-hmm. First one, you kind of alluded to it starting so young, but why do you love going to conventions? I really, I mean, I love them. I'm addicted to them really is that it's just like, it blows my mind how much like excitement is at conventions. Like every convention is filled with people that just love their thing, whatever their thing is. So like, we'll go in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to the West coast toy soldier show. And it's like a place where these people travel from across the country or the world to this little hotel ballroom to set up toy soldiers and like, there's all that. I mean, we started going to Gallifrey one, the Doctor Who convention before we ever watched an episode of Doctor Who, because it's just like, it's fun to kind of try to understand why people are so passionate about these things. Um, and so I think it just really loved the idea that conventions are they're they're held in these rooms that are so kind of antiseptic and boring, but then in one weekend, all these people come in and they're ridiculously passionate about whatever the thing is that they're passionate about. And it fills it with like memories that last a lifetime. And then everybody goes back, you know, on Monday or whatever, back to the real world to deal with real world problems. But it was like this magical weekend, whether it was toy soldiers or anime or furries or firefly or whatever the thing is it's always like the the uniting thing is kind of just this passion and love for for whatever that thing is being celebrated that weekend that's so cool to hear i mean i i I feel the same way a convention so i've always had like the most awesome experiences Uh, so i definitely feel the same way it's just you experience it on on such a more consistent numerous level of, of how many different things you see yeah it is it really is like an addiction i mean we have we are lucky in california particularly southern california because there are like shows almost every weekend and they may be tiny you know there are some like the socal joe show is all about gi joe toys and i mean it 
could fit in like a lot of people's living room. It's a tiny show, but it's still fun to go and see what people are, you know, excited about there. And then obviously on the other end, you have something like D23 Expo, which I know you guys have talked about, or San Diego Comic-Con or Anime Expo, where there's, you know, over 100,000 people there. And it's just like pure, you know, madness. But they all they all kind of have that thing in common of like a love for whatever it is that they're there that weekend for. So I actually just moved to Las Vegas. It's been about a year. Ah, I have never been. I went I went to one convention. It was the Fan X experience in Salt Lake City. But this was years and years Mm ago. Mm -hmm. We'd never Mm -hmm. been before. And we just kind of walked to the vendor hall. We had no idea what we were doing. But being here in Vegas, it's like there's a convention going on every single week. And it's (laughs) for the most ridiculous things. But Mm -hmm. it's like you say, uh, just going there, being part of the zeitgeist of all these people who are passionate about something. It's like going to a Marvel movie opening night, just being there with people who are passionate about it. it, It's it's the experience. Um, I'm with you. So... James and I are well James has been making content but this citizens of Lorcon is a new thing for me uh, what so I'm just trying to understand what inspired you to start parks and cons you talked about it a little bit already um mm-hmm. but like what is your ultimate vision and stuff with it partly it was like an excuse to do more things and to to have those things to kind of like look forward to i i mean i really like the idea of having something that i am able to control and i mean that was something in like full transparency when when the blog came up the sccc unofficial blog one thing about it i had just in like the real world job stuff had just kind of finished building like a big thing and it i really realized after putting years into it like i didn't own it and i'm like oh that's you know at the end of the day i'll never own this thing that my work owns and that's okay but it's just i never own it and though when the blog came around i was like i don't want to just give content to the blog because i didn't even know these people yet and i'm like i want to be a part of it but i want to own some piece so that whatever happens i have my own thing that i can do creatively whatever and so we really tried to to build something that kind of is just kind of an offset to to really power us through you know long weeks and and rough weeks i mean it was very helpful to us i know during the pandemic because we like really fired all of our cylinders into like creating content when it was a such a weird time because all the stuff we normally cover was all closed but we we tried to find things and you know ask people like james to come and talk about convention memories or things like that to try to you know have something to hold on to um and I think on the park side of things specifically, a lot of it was about like getting access to things. That was like a really big thing is um, I've always loved like the behind the scenes aspects of things. And it realized that like, that's the way to get access to them is by being like accepted as media to these places and stuff. And so there's things like, you know, not scary farms, a huge thing for Carmel and I. And it's like, well, we wanted to see like when they train the actors and they build the mazes and like get more of that. And, you know, um, like Super Nintendo World's opening. And so like next week is the the media night for that. And it's like, those are like big benchmark moments for us to be able to go there and like, okay, we can experience it in this type of an event setting. And it just, you know, when like Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened at Universal Studios, we were fortunate enough to be able to go to that media night. And it's like we saw John Williams like conducting the orchestra a few feet from us and Steven Spielberg standing there and all this stuff's going on. And it's like, it's so surreal that we were able to like be there to witness it. And so that really is like the pay 
for all the other work of the more mundane stuff. Absolutely. And uh, I think we could probably talk conventions and experiences for the entire time. But we also want to help people out because, as you mentioned, we're like doing this learning experience of going through Lorcana, learning a trading card game. A lot of people, because of Gen Con now, want to know, how do I get to this convention? How do I experience this convention to the best possible way? And so we're going to start our discussion on con tips and suggestions and that. And I hear that you have a top 10 list. I do. I do. have. We are lucky in California, particularly Southern California, because there are like shows almost every weekend and they may be tiny. You know, there are some like the SoCal Joe show is all about GI Joe toys. And I mean, it could fit in like a lot of people's living room. It's a tiny show, but it's still fun to go and see what people are you know excited about there then obviously on the other end you have something like d23 expo which i know you guys have talked about or san diego comic-con or anime expo where there's you know over a hundred thousand people there and it's just like pure you know madness but they all they all kind of have that thing in common of like a love for whatever it is that they're there that weekend for so i actually just moved to las vegas it's been about a year ah Awesome. I've never been. I went. I went to one convention. It was the Fan X Experience in Salt Lake City. But this was years and years ago. Mm-hmm. We'd never mm-hmm. been before, and we just kind of walked the vendor hall. We had no idea what we were doing. But mm-hmm. being here in Vegas, it's like there's a convention going on every single week, and like it's <laughs> yeah. for the most ridiculous things. But mm-hmm. it's like you say, uh, just going there, being part of the zeitgeist of all these people who are passionate about something. It's like going to a Marvel movie opening night, just being there with people who are passionate about it. it it's it's the experience. Um, I'm with you. So James and I are, well, James has been making content, but this Citizens of Lorcan is a new thing for me. Uh, what? So I'm just trying to understand what inspired you to start Parks and Cons? You talked about it a little bit already. Um, mm-hmm. But like, what is your ultimate vision and stuff with it? Yeah, I mean, the the partly it was like an excuse to do more things and to to have those things to kind of like look forward to i i mean i really like the idea of having something that i am able to control and i mean that was something in like full transparency when when the blog came up the sccc unofficial blog one thing about it i had just in like the real world job stuff had just kind of finished building like a big thing and it i really realized after putting years into it like i didn't own it and i'm like oh that's you know at the end of the day i'll never own this thing that my work owns and that's okay but it's just i never own it. and though when the blog came around i was like i don't want to just give content to the blog because i didn't even know these people yet and i'm like i want to be a part of it but i want to own some piece so that whatever happens i have my own thing that i can do creatively whatever and so we really tried to to build something that kind of is just kind of an offset to to really power us through you know long weeks and and rough weeks i mean it was very helpful to us i know during the pandemic because we like really fired all of our cylinders into like creating content when it was a such a weird time because all the stuff we normally cover was all closed but we we tried to find things and you know ask people like james to come and talk about convention memories or things like that to try to you know have something to hold on to um and I think on the park side of things specifically, a lot of it was about like getting access to things. That was like a really big thing is um, 
I've always loved like the behind the scenes aspects of things. And it realized that like, that's the way to get access to them is by being like accepted as media to these places and stuff. And so there's things like, you know, not scary farms, a huge thing for Carmel and I, and it's like, well, we wanted to see like when they train the actors and they build the mazes and like get more of that. And, you know, um, like super nintendo world's opening and so like next week is the the media night for that and it's like those are like big benchmark moments for us to be able to go there and like okay we can experience it in this type of an event setting and it just you know when like wizarding world of harry potter opened at universal studios we were fortunate enough to be able to go to that media night and it's like we saw john williams like conducting the orchestra a few feet from us and steven spielberg standing there and all this stuff's going on and it's like it's so surreal that we were able to like be there to witness it and so that really is like the pay for all the other work of the more mundane stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, i think we could probably talk conventions and experiences for the entire time <laughs> but we also want to help people out because as yep. you mentioned we're like doing this learning experience of going through lorcana learning a, yeah. card game. a lot of people because of gen con now want to know how do I get to this convention? How do I experience this convention to the best possible way? And so we're going to start our discussion on con tips and suggestions and that. And I hear that you have a top 10 list. I do. I do. Um, and I'll go, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So if I go too long or whatever, you can have me speed up or anything like that, but I'll just start. Never too long. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. So this list, um, it's something it came up with the I've had it before and I've refined it from year to year but like when people kind of ask the question exactly of what you're talking about is like I'm kind of new to conventions I want to get used to them and obviously there's such a wide range of conventions it's hard to have like a catch-all answer to that but I felt like these things were really you know to me that hit them the most so first off I'll just say kind of skipping over things like wear comfortable shoes you know get good sleep uh, take breaks to eat you know those are not that those aren't tips but they're just things that are like uh, some basic survival things. So we'll just kind of lump those together and like, yeah, make sure you're wearing comfortable shoes, you know, make sure to take those breaks to eat and make sure to get some sleep. So you're not so, you know, run down that you're falling apart on Sunday of the con or whatever it is, but um, to go through these in order. So number 10, I have, have a plan have a backup plan and have a backup for the backup plan is, you know, really always encouraged to look at the schedule look at the floor, the map of the floor. If you're, you know, going after exclusive, you know, if your booth is going to have an exclusive card set, I know I heard you guys talk about D23 Expo and James, your experience there. And I know Carmel was with you going with the cards and stuff like that. And it's like, it's, you find that there, some of these cons have more options than others. You know, there's some, like I said, when we go to the SoCal Joe show, there's not much planning there. It's just, you walk into a show and there's, you know, 10 tables selling stuff. But when you're talking about something like Gen Con and looking, I've not been there before, but looking a little bit about them and stuff, it's like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. And like anything, it probably takes some time to take it all in. But if you can go in and have some ideas of the things you want to do, panels if you if there are panels if there's demonstrations if there's going to be card giveaways things like that of kind of having a backup plan because uh as i know james knows very well with San Diego comic-con a lot of times the first choice maybe doesn't work out and sometimes the second third or fourth option even ends up being more fun and and you just didn't even expect that for sure and at, at gen con i know there's going to be lots of uh demonstrations like you mentioned there's going to be people chances to play games that's awesome to buy games stuff that they're giving away and so if you're going for Lorcana, but you want to have, you have other interests, it of course will uh, 
do you great good to look for what those things are and make a plan to see those besides Lorcana because Lorcana otherwise will take up all your time. <laughs> right, right. Somebody was mentioning there's this event that's like a live action Dungeons and Dragons and oh, they wow. said that that's an experience that sells out fast. But I mean, those are the types of experiences that you're talking about that you want to be on the lookout for and sign mm-hmm. up as, as soon as you can. Totally, totally. All right, my number nine uh, is to try and i mean convention centers especially in this day and age you do need to look into this ahead of time of what the convention center rules are in terms of outside food and drink um but we're very big on packing like you know little bags of chips or carrots or cheese crackers or like anything that's just easy food so you don't necessarily have i mean you want to you know probably take some time and have some good meals here and there but sometimes depending on the convention center i think i was looking at gen con is usually around fifty thousand or so attendees and so that's a lot like our wonder con um or something like that and a show like that it doesn't seem like it should have like it would seem like the convention center would be ready and you would be able to get food pretty easily but a lot of times those lines get incredibly long and sometimes having some food uh water of course soda in your bag even if it's not to save money which it does that as well now we have noticed in southern california at least there's more and more convention centers like for example long beach convention center and ontario convention center are now making it illegal to bring even bottled water into the show which is very frustrating so check your local convention wherever you're going to your convention center to see what their rules are on those things but uh we find it really helpful to have some of those little snack things on hand especially for Sundays, oftentimes conventions on the last day of the of the show uh, will not have as many food or drink vendors available. And so that was something we kind of learned a couple of years into going to cons was like all of a sudden the number of uh, snack bars would be cut in half on the last day of the con for whatever reason of staffing and stuff. And all of a sudden the lines were even worse when you thought, well, Sunday should be the relaxed day of the show. Everybody's kind of, you know, mellowing out. And a lot of times it would be worse actually. So that is my number nine. Okay. Number eight, manage expectations. Not every convention is for everyone. I think that's a tough thing. I mean, there's people we know that love Disney, like love Disney more than anything and will not ever step foot at D23 Expo again for the rest of their lives because of, you know, just how it is run and a lot of the operational issues and things like that. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't want to go to a small show, you know, is they, they're not going to want to go to a one room show because they want, you know, shows with panels and things like that. So I think it's nice, you know, if you look at that schedule and you know, Am I a panel person? Like I know James is much more of a panel person than I am. My wife, Carmel, is much more of a panel person than I am. I love panels, but I find like after an hour in a panel room, I start getting really fidgety and having a hard time sitting there much longer. Um, and so for me, going to a show with no panel or no panels is totally fine. Whereas for my wife, it's kind of like, well, that's a big part of the fun to me, you know. And so it makes sense to kind of know what the show is that you're going into and understand that sometimes a show may be great for person. Person A, but it might not be so good for person B. And just, you know, you kind of sometimes don't even know until you really get into the experience. But if a convention ends up being a strikeout for you, I guarantee there's going to be another convention that's going to be amazing for you. It's just sometimes that one con uh, maybe just doesn't sync up with quite as much with your interests, even if it's in the area, but maybe just some of the ways they facilitate the show might differ from that. Or it might even be a convention center thing, like I was saying earlier. So that's my number eight. Well, you're talking about <clears throat> managing expectations, and I know it feels like within the Lorcana 
crowd, a lot of people are hoping or expecting for promos and to get their hands on product. And they have said that there's going to be limited product there, but they haven't said what it is. So I'm always telling people, I expect there to be some starter decks, but uh, after that, I wouldn't have any expectations. Mm -hmm. And they haven't given any indication whether there will be promos or not. So the mentality that I'm taking is this is going to be a great opportunity to meet everybody from the community that we've gotten to know over the last few months. Um, Because if I go in expecting to get a promo and there's nothing there, I will be very disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. That's exactly what I mean. So that's, that's a great example. Okay. Number seven. Uh, so number seven is like a list of things that to me are like must haves in the most case. So I'm just going to kind of go down, down the list real quick. Um, printable items. Like we always like to have like our barcode for registration, things like that. Obviously in this day and age phones work for a lot of those things, but sometimes with signal being issues or things like that, we just kind of, I still like having a printed piece of paper that has that type of stuff on it or an autograph schedule or things like that. Um, Kleenex, hand sanitizer, rubber bands, safety pins, phone charger, Tylenol, if you have any medications, um, autograph folder, I call it an autograph folder, but we always keep, I even to all the theme parks I always bring, it's just like a, a very thin folder that maybe if I come across comics at Disneyland and like, okay, I'm going to buy this comic book and put it in there and it doesn't get bent up in my bag or, um, theme park maps or, you know, the map of the convention floor. I love like at conventions, some of that paper, the ephemera there just ends up being its own free souvenir. A lot of times it's really nice to have, um, and then a good bag to carry stuff in um for me it's uh, and and we always have we call it the walking dead bag because it's just san diego comic-con for years anchor bay was there promoting walking dead and these bags just fit comics like perfect it's as if they were made to hold comic books in them and so we have a ton of those um but you know depending on the size of bag you want to carry but just something that you're not relying on the vendors because a lot of times exhibitors won't have bags then they just kind of hand you something and now you've got it there and um you know like the Lorcana booth like there was no bag that you're getting. So now you're holding these really valuable cards in your hands. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to get them dinged up. You know, where do I put them or things like that? So I always like having a bag. A lot of times I keep my little carrying bag inside my backpack till I buy something. And then I kind of hold that separately. So, so yeah, my number seven is just kind of a list of things that to me personally are really helpful at the convention, uh, at a convention. Follow-up question to this. This is similar to a video I watched of yours where you were talking about your backpack Oh, one of the things one of the things that you said that you include is tape. And I was Mm -hmm. just curious what you ever used tape for when you were at a convention. (laughs) Uh, So to seal uh, comic bags, bags and boards to seal mm-hmm. the comics but uh it's interesting on that like so we, one we need to update that video because that was a long time ago and it's like changed but we stopped actually carrying tape and it's a silly thing but because uh we disneyland security had issues with it on, on an occasion and they said tape guests were not allowed to bring tape into the park because you could bind somebody with it and i said well i could bind somebody with a shoe shoe lit story so it was just a whole thing and so after that it was kind of like okay i'm just not going to bring the tape anymore so now i just limp along without the without the tape in those cases but yeah a lot of times at comic shows for uh going through the bag and like we'll have the bags and boards and we can seal them right there so they're like in a protective case that won't open um okay number six 
this was something that like shocked me when we started because we were there was this period of probably like I don't know 2000 to 2005 or maybe even or probably 95 to 2005 that we really didn't go to conventions like I think I didn't even realize some of these conventions were out there but when we started going to San Diego Comic-Con and then that made us realize hey there's a Long Beach Comic-Con there's these other shows the creation shows but what really surprised me is like the money that was required for a good time at a small convention often was a lot more than a big convention. Mm -hmm. And so although a big convention is, you know, the hotel's more expensive, the tickets are more expensive, all of that, the there's so much entertainment outside. Like when you go to a D23 Expo, there's so much entertainment that's not buying. There's all these exhibits to see, demonstrations, things like that. And so a lot of times we'll go a day at D23 Expo or San Diego Comic-Con and not spend any money on like merchandise or things like that. But meanwhile, like when you go to a a smaller show or a mid-sized show all there is to do there is buy stuff they don't have panels necessarily and so it becomes really like a shopping show um something like amazing las vegas comic con out in in your vegas area there like is kind of a, a neat hybrid they do have panels but so much of that show is like about shop the shopping experience so you you know, we will end up bringing more money to buy comics there than probably at San Diego because San Diego, they're going to give us so much free stuff. So that took us a couple of years, I think, to understand because we'd make these budgets for the small shows and like burn through it like in a few hours there or whatever. And then the big shows, a lot of times like San Diego, we'd have money left over because there was so many freebies given away and there were so many, you know, fun experiences that, you know, the offsites didn't cost any money. The panels didn't cost any money. There were so many things to do that just didn't cost us a penny so we're just spending money on food a lot of times on those days so uh just kind of understanding what budget you might need and being like a show like gen con or just like that that's probably going to be a lot of you know desire collectors are going to collectors like to shop that's what we do um and so you want to kind of plan according to that of what is it what do i need to budget to have a good time because i know for me like if I'm going to go to a show that is all about shopping and then I don't have, I haven't budgeted any money to go there. It's hard to enjoy it because the whole point of the show was to shop and add to the collection. And now I can't do that, you know, versus being able to go and see, let's see panels or something like that. So budgetary needs have that corollary relationship with really how many freebies and other uh, offerings that there might be there. Yeah. I've gone to uh, Comic-Con and I mean, I think I spent like 1% of my money on merchandise mm -hmm. for the entire show where yep. everything else went to food and hotel and whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last few years we've tilted more and spent a lot less on exclude we've spent a lot less on exclusives at comic-con the last several years because so much of the stuff they kind of are releasing broadly afterwards or things like that it's just in the old days in 2008 everything was about exclusives there or something and now it's like oh some of this stuff can wait or you know pick it up on discount at some store down the line or something like that so it, it fluctuates so yeah definitely make the call based on you know do some research on the things you do plan to buy to see if it's maybe not exclusive necessarily yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, my number five is this kind of goes back to the roots of Parks and Cons. And I think it's also with what you guys are doing there. So there was the the starting of creating the Twitter account that you have there for your Lurkana is looking at is find the key Twitter accounts related to your convention. Um, there are always, I find Twitter accounts, like Twitter is where information moves the quickest. It's really hard 
over the years we found to any of the other social medias really don't match Twitter for convention stuff. Convention stuff moves so fast. And so finding those key accounts, like I said, it's the whole reason I ever even created a Twitter account. And I, every year when we're doing like our comic con prep, that's always kind of one of those things is like, some people obviously just hate Twitter and, and that's fine. It's like, even if you hate it, just create an account, use it for the two months or the one month of prep for the show, use it that weekend. And then you can, you know, delete the app and get it back next year when the convention comes around again. But it's just so valuable to share information that way. And, and it just isn't the same with Instagram or, I mean, we have all the social medias that we use and we cover conventions with all of them, but Twitter is the only one that we really look at is like it's information sharing. The rest is more like sharing the experience and stuff. So definitely look for that Twitter account. If you don't have one, make a Twitter account you know obviously follow the one related here with the show and, and everything but also find any of those other ones that are out there that might have information related to the show you're about to go to yeah i had never been on twitter before this mm-hmm. i had tried before but i just couldn't make any sense of it but like you say the amount of information that flows on twitter is just incredible i mean mm-hmm. reddit says it's the first page of the internet but i really feel like twitter is the front <laughs> page of the internet because the information will go from Twitter to Discord to Reddit to and and then you see it on websites like comicbook.com or whatever like it, it truly is incredible and that's something I hadn't thought about was to find those key accounts within uh, people who are covering Gen Con so that's something I'm yeah. going to do probably yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And you can always search like hashtags and see what people are sharing like always going into a convention like like we don't really like we go to Gallifrey one, we love the Doctor Who convention, but we don't necessarily follow a lot specific to Doctor Who. And as the weekend comes, I start kind of going through searching the hashtag and seeing like what people are posting to get an idea of, you know, maybe there's events that I don't know about or things like that. Um, I'm with you. I really do think Twitter is the, is that front page there. And I think the thing about social media too, is what I find is everybody, like we all have different brains and we all think different ways. Like some social media just matches better for all of us in terms of how we think i know for me twitter is like twitter is the way i think it's the only social media i like personally like i love twitter so much i despise tiktok i despise instagram i despise facebook we have to use them all because for us with what we do they like TikTok has become incredibly valuable for the theme park community uh, in terms of media things. So like, okay, we got to build that following. But in terms of actually enjoying and getting information, Twitter's the only one I feel like I get information from and helps me like enjoy conventions or theme park things or stuff like that. So um, I do understand some people may just hate Twitter and stuff, but I do think even if you hate it, if you, if you use it for that week or two or month or two leading up to that convention, you'll probably get a lot of worthwhile information from it. And then again, you can delete delete the app and come back to it next time you have something to to do with it just leave your account dormant for however many months or something so that is my number five so we're gonna keep going with this list but i just wanted to point out that we had like 10 questions or so and i think you've answered half of them so far (laughs) okay (laughs) you're doing good you're doing good okay all right, let's see if number four is there. Uh, number four, and I, this can depend on where you're at, at, at the system of the convention, and also um, if you're flying to the convention, this can vary. But for us, most of the conventions we attend, uh, we drive to. In the rare case when we fly, a lot of times we get a rental car. So the number four, though, is using your car as a home base for the convention. Is we really like having the car to retreat to, to go back into, to reflect, to re 
reassess, you know, the plans. Oh, we wanted to get this exclusive. It didn't work out. Let's go back and think about it. Um, usually convention centers have parking, you know, right there adjacent to it. And so even in cases where we are staying at a hotel nearby, a lot of times we'll still drive to the convention center parking or something like that just to use that place. And the biggest thing a lot of times is as a drop-off point. I mean, uh, there are a lot of times conventions will have a bag check or things like that. Sometimes they charge, sometimes they don't. But like something like Anime Expo, they charge, I want to, I don't remember, I think it was like $10 a bag. But the, the bigger problem is they have limited hours and they have huge lines of people that are getting their bags all at once at certain times of the day. So it just, it creates a lot of stress points. Whereas if we can just go to the car and use that as a home base. So again, that may not work if you're flying into the con and you're going to stay right at the hotel. You know, we wouldn't rent a car just to, you know, stay at the hotel and that. But if you're at a convention where you are driving in, would definitely try to use it and think of it as kind of a bonus location. It's like your own little piece of real estate that you own there that you can operate in and escape the crowds or recharge batteries or whatever you need to do. So that's my number four. That yeah. was the thing so, I did at uh, Comic-Con was yeah. uh, park when you were able to park at the convention center. It makes, it makes it so convenient to just go downstairs and have a bite yep. to eat or drop off the, all the bags you already gathered for the day. Yep. Get ready for the rest of the last half of the day. Yeah, we have what we believe is the best place to park at San Diego Comic-Con, but that's one of the tips we don't give anybody because we don't want people to take our parking. <laughs> <laughs> so on everything, we always have our like list of like, well, these are things we'll only tell close friends, not on social media. We'll tell them off the air type of stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's really helpful to have that, especially at San Diego, probably San Diego more than anywhere we go for sure. And um, I would be yeah. very, very hurt that I don't know that except for yeah. that I never park. So yeah. Well, I, I would, I would tell you. <laughs> yeah, I would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number three, getting to the top three here. Number three, uh, to use resources from the past of these conventions to try to help you for the future. So, you know, doing, if you're going to Gen Con, doing a search on YouTube and seeing, you know, floor footage from last year, trying to find, you know, or five years ago or whatever, but trying to look at like, what was the floor like? What did it look like? Um, you know, are there podcasts about the convention that we can listen to where they talk about their experiences? Um, I think YouTube and podcasts end up being the most help. There's sometimes there's visual guides, blogs may have put like, here's the top five tips for this convention this year or they you know three things to know or six things to do on opening night or things like that and i find a lot of that stuff one really fun is in the lead up to a convention it can kind of extend that ex uh, convention experience because i know in a lot of ways i think again that's where we kind of started with things is it's like okay comic con's in two months and i'm excited about comic con and trying to go online and i would read articles like the sdcc unofficial blog and see like oh this is stuff they talked about about last year's con but now i'm reading it this year kind of planning for this year's con. So I think a lot of that content can be a lot of fun uh, and extend the experience, but also can make you comfortable, especially if it's a convention you've never been to before. It really helps to be able to visualize. So many people do YouTube videos now, so it can really help to visualize like what is this floor going to look like, how crowded it is. Um, some people, especially those that don't go to many conventions, can be kind of shell-shocked sometimes by how crowded conventions can get. And so a YouTube video from a prior year's convention can maybe really help to kind of uh make somebody feel a little more comfortable and a little less anxious about how tight the spaces are going to be and things like that so uh number three using those other resources like podcasts and youtube and visual guides so were you guys talking earlier today because earlier today 
James shared the floor layout from last year's Gen Con. Oh, so everybody can see <laughs> oh very where cool. the Ravensburger booth is or where okay, it was last cool. year. Sean has ingrained things and working for the blog has into my brain for how to do stuff. You go look up the past, mm-hmm. then you know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, you know, and things change. I mean, as James, you know, like D23 Expo, things literally change every day, like in terms of the procedures and stuff. But, you know, some things don't change sometimes, you know, the snack bars in the same place or things like that. And it, it is helpful when going into these environments to have at least a little bit of an idea because no matter what if you're new to conventions it's going to be overwhelming but hopefully it's more overwhelming in a good way than an overwhelming in a bad kind of like i feel claustrophobic because it gets so crowded type of a way i know kind of coming back to conventions in the large scale um my wife carmel would talk about like with san diego it's like she had to kind of like recalibrate her thinking of like oh yeah, this is how the crowds are here. Like we went with the pandemic of everybody staying six feet apart and all of that. And now all of a sudden it's like skin to skin smashed on top of each other type of stuff. And it's like, that can be hard to adjust back to after the few years that we've had, or it could just be tough to adjust to if you've never been to a convention before, because it's such a unique kind of setting. Okay, so I'll go with number two now. A simple one, but a really important one is just, uh, you know, packing patience is really being patient. I always do with like the San Diego stuff for people a lot about like the psychology of how these conventions work, because um, at the end of the day, conventions are a rare, even for, even for the vendors that do a lot of conventions, they're a relatively rare experience. A lot of times in terms of like the bigger booths, you know, they're not, that's not what most of the people work in the booth. That's not what their job is that they were hired for a lot of times, or if it is, they're hired for like one weekend to work the booth. So a lot of times it's easy to get frustrated with them. I mean, I know, um, in talking about the, you know, Lorcana and D23 and stuff, people were frustrated with things of like, how do you get the card? Do you scan the badge? Do you not scan the badge? Are people getting extra free promo cards? You know, those things. And they had to kind of adapt as the weekend went on because there was so much demand, which was different than that first day and stuff. And so the employees at these booths are always kind of like figuring things out as the weekend goes on. And you know, unlike like theme parks, like theme parks, which they take weeks and months to figure things out. But with conventions, it's like they're one, two, three, four days, and then they're gone. And so it's really important to remember that these employees are trying to figure it out. And there's probably going to be inconsistencies. There's probably going to be somebody who is normally an accountant that is now working the cash register at this at this convention, or normally they are the person that does graphic design and now they're having to learn logistics of line management for an incredibly popular card game you know and things like that and it's hard because as collectors we want to collect and when people get in our way of collecting or make that experience not successful it's really hard to sometimes process that it's like well get your stuff together what's going on here you've got a product we want to buy it but the truth of the matter is is very few of the employees working these booths at these conventions actually do them very often at all. A lot of times it's a few special conventions a year that they go to and the institutional history may be that they did a convention a year ago or two years ago, or they've done it twice this year, but it's not like it's the thing they're doing Monday through Friday. So a lot of times that's a a tough thing. It's just a, it's a tough thing. So being patient with the employees of these booths is important for them, but also for yourself to enjoy things and kind of put in perspective of like, okay, they're doing the best they can. This isn't their regular job. It's not 
what probably any of them were really hired to ever do. And they're just all trying to get through this weekend. And at the end of the day, they want to sell their product. They want to sell out of their product or they want to give away every promo card for free. Um, and they're just trying to figure out how to do it as equitably as possible and without having a, you know, a riot or something at their booth. So it's, it's so important to, to remember that because yeah, it's just like anything else. Kindness, patience, you want to, you want to take that wherever you go as much as you can. And, yep. and I mean, like you mentioned, the D23 situation, that, I mean, that literally did change each day to get the Lorcana sets and the promos. Yeah. So, I mean, not, the promos themselves didn't really change, but, I mean, just having to make that adaption and just like, okay, that's what it is today. You you change your pattern. You, you like, that's what it is, and you just deal with it. Yep. So, yep. And, so important. It, and it does stress again why Twitter is so helpful during this show as well, because if there are people covering the show via Twitter, that community shares that online and then it's easier it's easier to help each other and say hey this is what happened or this is how it's going or these are how many of the card we think are left or things like that and it's really the only way to get that info in any sort of real-time capacity so um that i think a lot of times can help with the patience factor as well if you're kind of feeling like you're in the know because someone else in that community that you're interested in is sharing that information all right so my number one and I feel really strongly a lot of the other ones, like, I mean, because to me, these are kind of like almost like really in order. Um, and so my number one, I think, is the most critical of any of them is that at the end of the day, at a convention, time is the most important currency you have. There's like nothing more important than time at a convention and how you spend the time. Um, you know, it obviously depends on your interest and in, in what you want to do. But these shows are finite obviously and you come into them and the more time that you are confused or frustrated or angry or stressed or tired it's all coming out of your time currency bank you know and at the end of the day you get whatever 24 hours of floor time and ideally it's 24 amazing hours of floor time but if you end up spending 12 of them frustrated or confused or you know it, it kind of ends up sucking because it's like you spent most likely a good amount of time preparing for the show, excited about the show. It was maybe took vacation time from your job to get to the show, money for the hotel, all these things. And then at the end of the day, you only have X amount of hours and hopefully you can have those hours all spent, you know, as much as possible being excited and enjoying it and looking forward to doing it again next year or whatever it might be and appreciating that. Um, but a lot of times, I think uh, especially newer attendees kind of can forget that and it's hard because it is a lot of times sensory overload with so much going on, especially a show the size of, as you're talking about Gen Con, there's so many fun, exciting things there. And sometimes rather than appreciating how many fun, exciting things are there, it can become easy to be frustrated by not getting the one thing you thought you wanted to do. You know, you didn't get into that panel or that demo or get that uh, free card or whatever it might be. And then it kind of can throw things off. Um, I know we've had a lot of friends that have had, you know, meltdowns at conventions and just been like, I'm not having fun. I'm ready to go home. I know we've had moments at, you know, especially something like D23 or even Star Wars Celebration, where there's a lot of organizational issues where you're like, do we really want to do this? And then you kind of have to step back and like, wait, no, 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 this is awesome. It's just, you know, we've had these three bad things happen in a row. Still, I always say like the worst day at a convention is better than the best day at work. And so try to, you know, put it in perspective and 
and get back to having a good time with something else that maybe wasn't your top priority. So um, yeah, so time being the most important currency is my number one tip for conventions. So this dovetails into a question I was wanting to ask you. I really want to get my hands on Lorcana. Like if I go there and I don't get my hands on any product, that will make me upset. That's an expectation mm -hmm. I have, which maybe I should lower that. But is it unreasonable to line up super early? Like I think somebody said the Skywalks open up at six, but if they are willing to let me go there at four, I will go at four in the morning to line up. Is that unreasonable? No, I mean, James has a lot more experience with that than I do, but I do, I will say this. I think one thing we've talked about is like, if we feel like we should be somewhere at 7 a.m., then that means we should be there at least by 6 a.m. <laughs> because we've never regretted being, like at the end of the day, we have had regrets of getting to something a half hour too late. We've never regretted being at something too early. So I think especially something like this with such a passion, it's like, no, I, I mean, I don't think there's any time that's really too early because in the end, it's like, I mean, James has been willing to put in the time to you know camp out for days to get into Hall H and then is rewarded with those amazing experiences. And in the end, that's that the reward is getting that so i think it's very similar here to getting those cards you know is it's like i again i'll defer to james on the time commitment but i think when it's something you really want i don't know that there is any amount of time that's too much to put into it if it's that important to you yeah and i mean i would just say no never but i wanted to make sure that sean had an opportunity to answer mm -hmm. that question because mm -hmm. i could just say i will always uh spend the amount of time necessary to get to the thing i want um sean's like i'll watch it on youtube later yeah <laughs> james and i yeah we're very different in that and it's and it's nice because you can kind of compare ideas because it's like yeah there's not anything at a convention that matters enough to me normally to commit the time where i'm gonna like like for me i've like i'm gonna take six hours to do a in my head the problem is is i'm losing six hours doing b c and d or whatever but at the same time a could be so awesome and again there's so many things james has seen like you know something like uh when the force awakens concert or you know at comic-con or it was force awakens right james yeah, it was yeah. Force awakens where we got to see uh, all nine major cast members on the panel yeah. And then and the concert then got to walk over to a Star Wars symphony concert for free. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's, I mean, ha, I mean, that's just such an amazing thing. Like we didn't know, would, would we have been willing to spend the time if we knew all those great things we have? And I don't know, but like we didn't at the time, but so the point being, I don't think there's ever, yeah, like a bad decision for the spend of the times. And I know something James has talked a lot about with Comic-Con that I think is really great. And it's not ever been Carmel or mine's thing, but it is like in these lines like Carmel and I by nature are very really talk to people that we know and so if somebody's going to talk to us they kind of have to go out of their way to talk to us but I know James has made lots of friends and met lots of amazing people doing it so the time investment the neat thing about something like if you're waiting in line for that card is you know everybody you're waiting in line with is like passionate about the same thing and interested so you're surrounded by like kind of like family that you don't even know our family yet until you get in line with them so yeah, I definitely would agree with James on that in terms of the time commitment. So no, it is not unreasonable. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Unless no one is there for five hours. <laughs> and then you maybe could have shown up a couple hours later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. don't, you're going to have to worry about that. I'm pretty sure there will be more than enough people to make you not feel bad about lining up that early. 
I have a feeling this is going to be a hot ticket item, and it's not just because I'm a Lorcana homer. I think it's going to be a big deal. All you had to do is see what happened at D23, and the same thing is going to happen at Gen I I totally agree. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very hot, hot ticket. Okay, so actually this that leads into this where they're going to be limiting product. They said they're going to have an allocation for each day, but we're not sure how they're going to be selling it. If it's going to be at the booth or if they're going to like have a time frame with tickets. You've told me this rule before, and I've used it to tell the people before about booth sales or signings or whatever. You have basically what I, I, I keep in my mind as the ask twice rule. Yeah. What is that rule? Yeah. Uh, to always go and, yeah, ask at least twice the same question to different people uh, to see about a consistent answer. Because, yeah, so often, and I mean, what we say is like if we get two different answers, if we ask somebody at the corner of the booth and they say A and the other corner of the booth, they say B, then we ask two more times to the other corners of the booth because you're like, okay, this is, you guys clearly don't have a plan. And so we try to clarify. I remember back in, I don't know if it was like 2010 or something, but the Paramount booth, Paramount CBS booth at Comic-Con was doing the Star Trek watches. And these were like nice watches, like actual watches. You They weren't like cheap junk watches. These are nice watches. And every day was a different color. And we were like, we got the first day, we got lucky and we got it. And then it's like, well, I wonder if we can get the second day. And so we were like really studied about it. Like, okay, so what do we need to do to get these watches? When do you release them? And, and sometimes they would give very inconsistent answers. Sometimes they would give no answers. Sometimes they'd say, oh, I can't tell you that. So we'd come back and ask. So yes, a hundred percent asked that. I mean, the Lorcana booth at D23 Expo that first morning Everybody was getting one set of cards when it turns out the limit was two sets of cards. And everybody in front of me was getting one set of cards, one set of cards. And then I asked and they're like, oh, you can get two if you want. And I was like, okay, I'll get two. And so I don't know if there was an inconsistency there beforehand or what, but it's just people weren't asking the question, you know? And then after I asked, then everybody behind me was like, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. So yeah, definitely ask at the booth, ask, and and not just the booth even, but like if there's security around, cause security may be like, oh, you can't stand here. You can't sit here, you know, like really trying to clarify. Um, so D23 brings, they, they vary in what they do with like press. So like that first morning, we're like, where do we stand? We have our press badges. Where do we stand? And they say, oh, you don't stand out here. You have to come in here. Okay, we come in here. Where do we stand? Oh, you don't stand out here. You go on the floor. They put us on the floor. And we're like, I don't think we're supposed to be on the floor before it opens. No, no, you have to stay here. So we're wandering around. We're doing photo. Just as we're about to start a live stream of the Marvel costumes, security comes and like, what are you guys doing in here? And they grab like 10 media there and like, you're not supposed to be in here. And they bring us out in the hall. And so we were being told different things. Like we're just kind of going wherever we were told the whole way. And so asking those questions as many times can still, you know, you don't always get the best answers, but yeah, keep asking. And especially when it's a hot ticket item. Well, I think this goes back to what you're talking about, about having patience. These are people who don't do this every day. And totally. so there may not be consistency there. It's, it's so true. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, especially with shows that have a long history of great items, exclusives is the attendees have become experts over the year in how things work so like hasbro at comic-con like people became experts at that system so hasbro wasn't always an expert at the system but the people that the attendees had been doing it for so long they knew how to kind of work the system and find the angles and stuff and then 
they would change the things. I mean, before last year, Hasbro sat out having a booth at Comic-Con, but in the years prior, like the way they handled preview night exclusives was like different four years straight. And sometimes it just was like, depending where you were on the floor, you accidentally ended up in line or not type of things and stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough and it is comes back to the patience, as you said. So this next question is a little off topic, but I have watched your videos and you seem to wear My Hero Academia clothing or apparel, mm. apparel quite a bit. This was actually the the card game that got me back into trading card oh. games. So I was just going to ask you, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite character from that show? You know, so our that my hero has like connected more than any anime because like for us anime and manga is like not a comfort level era like in general it's something that we're very new to like it was kind of like i said with doctor who like we started i started going to anime expo which is like this massive hundred thousand person convention and i had never read a page of manga and never watched a minute of any anime but i'm like this is obviously popular i want to try to understand this and those first few years of going there like we didn't apply for press for a long time because i'm like i don't feel like we deserve to apply for press until we like know who some of these characters are and have like an idea identify the cosplay without like, you know, uh, um, you know, asking people all the time, but at the end of the day, so it's a probably a, maybe an oversimplification, but like all might, I've just loved that character from the beginning uh, of watching it. And I've not read it. I've not read the manga, only watched the, the anime, um, but all might, I don't know what it is. Cause that's like, I don't want to say he's like, you know, Superman, cause he's not, he's obviously different, but there's just something about that character that I love. I love the character design, the hair with the, you know, the kind of V kind of the antennas going up and all of that. Um, but I always tell people like to me that, that have never watched anime to me, my hero academia is like X-Men done like perfectly and it's because I know X-Men's maybe more familiar for a lot of people. And I love X-Men. Um, but like when I'm watching that, show i'm like this is this is what i want an x-men show to be someday is this because there's just such a richness to the characters and their relationships and you root for them and they're also like multi-dimensional and and i just i love what they do with it but yeah i'm such an amateur when it comes to that whole genre but i do love it and love trying to understand it well, I'm in the same boat as you, and I agree with everything that you said. It was actually my daughter. She's gotten really into anime. Oh, and she oh cool. was like, for months and months, she's like, Dad, will you watch this with me? Will you watch this with <laughs> me? And so finally, I was like, okay. And I can see the X-Men vibes. For me, it hit a lot of the same notes as the original trilogy Star Wars. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, the heroic journey, specifically. Mm -hmm. But That makes sense. I, I like All Might, too. And for me, he kind of seems like the Steve Rogers character from Marvel, but backwards, he went from being this amazing superhero to the scrawny kid. And yeah. he has that That's heart where he just wants mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. No. Yeah. I love, I mean, characters like Endeavor, like I had no interest when they first introduced him. And then it's like, I ended up like being really interested in him. So I love, they like, they build these characters up um and which i always tell people like good star trek but like good star trek you have to kind of stay with the characters for a while to understand like why the relationships matter or whatever it's hard to just jump in on one episode of like and make it good star trek and i feel like that's very similar with with uh my hero is it takes time to see 
you know, Bakugo and these people like grow and really get attached to them. But I, I'm just mesmerized by it. And, you know, the anime thing is crazy. Like that is that's taking over like everything in pop culture. I keep telling people like, if you're not like paying attention to anime, like that is the conventions in 10 years are just like practically all anime. Cause they are like, dominating i mean we don't go to an anime we go to an anime show practically like three times a month and they all are overflowing with people that are 20 years younger than me i mean it's just it's all it is the wave of the future um coming out of the pandemic when it was like are people going to go back to conventions and we went to Manga in ontario and it was like the first convention it was in august of 21 so people were tentative about going back to conventions and i mean like these kids were practically dying of heat stroke waiting in five hour lines to get inside this building and stuff and we were fortunate because we had media and they just like brought us in or whatever but like it's there's such a passion to it and even the the releases of like my hero and stuff like that on the big screen are making money now like they they didn't used to so it's just it's incredible to see how much that's kind of taking over uh a lot of American, a lot of the American scene as well. So hopefully I can continue to learn it and understand it better for the future. You guys are making me want to watch this. Yeah, it's good. You would like it, James. It's good. It's really, really good. Add it to the list. I know. Yeah. That's why (laughs) we ended up, uh, you know, subscribing to Funimation because of it. So it was like, oh, this is really good. And so, um, yeah, it's a fun show. Got to cancel something so we can subscribe. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> okay, the so uh, I have another question. This one, okay. uh, you may not have like a very specific answer for like the top. Okay. Oh, it's just whatever one you can think of right now of one of your favorite or best convention experiences or moments. Oh, wow. Because uh, you've had so many. So I, you know, just whichever one pops into your head first. It's like Jeez. the days that I met. Dan Regal in person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like this sounds, it sounds silly to say or whatever, but I will say in all sincerity, like the lunches we do with the blog people, because for those that don't know the SEC unofficial blog, we do a lunch like with the team. And it's really the only time of the year that we all see each other in person. So like we chat and stuff all year long, but we do those lunches. Those always do stand out because, you know, for Carmel and I, it was always like, I don't really understand why people make friends at conventions. We always kind of just did our own thing. And then going to those things, it, it has been so nice to like, we go and we're like, like so many of the people that we love hanging out with are all here for this weekend and it's hard to see each other at Comic-Con. And so, so that's definitely is a big, big deal there. Um, In terms of like the more like, here's the, the spectacle or, you know, here's the thing. I think one like huge, um memory that's more recent was just coming from the marvel panel this last year and like the black panther tribute at the end was like really really moving and like powerful and it felt like it really transcended what we were there so that was like i i don't think i'll ever forget that for sure i don't think that um but then big but also small i guess or not small but just like it wasn't a spectacle thing but i always like back in i think it was 07 or something meeting stan lee and having him sign my arm and have that made into a tattoo i mean it's will always be hard to kind of top that because stan lee was always like i only ever learned how to read because of comic books and i always credited you know stan lee kind of being out front and trumpeting things all those years as the showman as the carnival barker you know um for a lot of that acceptance of comic culture and things like that 
And so I remember when we get, when we found out he was going to be at Long Beach Comic Con, you know, the next day and we're like, what do we do? And it's like, well, we can't afford it. Like, it felt like at the time we needed like a really expensive comic for him to sign. Cause I felt like if we got some, you know, cheap comic, like he would look down on us or something like that, which later it's like, we had him sign a bunch of things. And a lot of times they were cheap things. But at that time I felt like I could not go be in front of him with a cheap book. So it's like, we bought like a 20 or $30 book. Not that that was the most expensive thing, but then I was like, but my arm, like having this tattoo, that seems like that's meaningful. And so then we had to plan it out and we got it done at Outer Limits, which is one of the oldest tattoo shops in America that just happened to be right down the street from Long Beach. So it had kind of a cool thing. We planned it out the day before and met the tattoo artist. And he's like, I don't have time for you tomorrow, but he's like, that's too cool not to do. So come down there. And um, nope, they didn't let anybody get close to Stan Lee back at that point already. Like everybody had to keep like a 10 foot distance from him and hand their books off. But because it was my arm, they let me get there and have him sign it. So that, that probably always will stand out because obviously it was such a unique experience and something that I never, I never thought I'd even meet Stanley, let alone have him sign my arm, basically. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I remember a story you have, and I think you even had video of it from one of the Hollywood shows uh, with uh, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> that, that always stood out to yes. me. Just a really cool that was moment. amazing. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Every, um, I don't know, every like 30 minutes or something, Dick Van Dyke would like take a break from signing to like perform. And so, yeah, I got video of that and it just like blew my mind that he was like, he had some people there with him, like his his barbershop quartet or something that was like sitting off to the side. And it was like in the middle of doing an autograph signing. It's like, okay, let's do a couple songs or whatever. And so I remember grabbing, yeah, grabbing some video of that because of like, blew my mind and we didn't see him do that at like we saw him at phoenix comic con he didn't do that we saw him at d23 he didn't do that so i don't really know what it was about that show but it was amazing to see him like perform live because we have never we to this day have never seen him perform live um and so that was just such a unique actually you know so we're gonna dick van dyke actually we a few years during the pandemic he invited via a friend us out to cover his home haunt for halloween and so now that i think about we did see him perform there as a like he was you know talking to the crowd or whatever but he is a huge halloween fan if you look on youtube you can find footage of his like home haunts but he does like a massive halloween uh thing every year and so we got to go check that out in it was 2020 the year of the closures so it was a drive-through situation but we still got to see him out there doing trick-or-treating stuff so yeah, that so was incredible. We could talk. I guess I mentioned we could just talk forever, um, but yeah. it's getting late. And so uh, first off, uh, thank you so much for joining us, yes, Sean. Uh, we really yeah, appreciate it. for sure. Um, thank you. I did want to say something else, but I've completely forgotten it. So why don't you tell us where we can find you online? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you can find us at Parks and Cons on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And our podcast, you can find us at Parks and Cons. We're over 750 episodes there. So there's a lot of pod 
podcast there. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in any California conventions or theme park stuff or Halloween stuff, there's probably a podcast dedicated to it there if it's been in the last, you know, eight or nine years or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, and thank you for having me on. And uh, again, I like the I like the whole approach that you guys have. It's a really neat idea and a cool way. And I hope everybody that's listening to this that's going to head out to Gen Con or any convention has a successful and fun time with it. Well, thank you. And uh, seriously, people, you should follow him just for all of the fun. I mean, if you, especially if you don't live in the area, you can live vicariously through Sean and Carmel and see so much awesome stuff. It's true. I've thank already you. seen like uh, Knott's Berry Farm pictures and i think i've seen some of the mario land pictures i yeah. just all these different video or pictures that you share on twitter and then i go on youtube and watch some of your videos too it's it's been great oh. fun thank content. you very much appreciate it very, the very world, much appreciate it the world needs more positive content let's be honest that that's our feeling that's our feeling <laughs> all right so uh thank you again sean and thank have you a great night we'll talk to you later you too thank you guys very much have a great night yeah. Ooh, man, that was that was awesome. Uh, so much cool information. Uh, but we do have some uh, bits of news. As we mentioned, Artem gave some scoops to a couple of other content creators, uh, Illumiteers, and uh, we don't talk about Uno podcast. So check out YouTube and their podcast for that information. We're not going to go into the details that we're just going to give you the highlights. And those highlights are. Yeah. So again, we have Artem to thank for all these but um, that was just a really cool thing that he did, uh, letting the content creators share share this information that he gathered. So one of the things that he shared with us is the number of Hades. He's the number five. And I got to say, when he revealed this, it went right over my head. He had put a tweet on Twitter where he said, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm excited for five things. And five was capitalized. So that was the first clue. And then he lists four things. And then number five is I just spoiled the number of Hades. And I like looked up and down his Twitter feed. And I was like, where is this number? And then come to find out he posted later that day uh, that had been on Lorcania.com for the last 24 hours. So Hades I know, number... that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, what a troll. Um, so Hades number is the number five. And uh, also we got the text. Um, his business card or uh, his flavor text says, oh, I'm going to need a new business card or something like that. Yeah. The, and then they also had the the blurb of um, information, like the, the flavor text for like the box set, like kind of giving people an idea of what Hades can do. Oh, yeah. And that leads to the next thing that was revealed because of the last line about how he will gain lots of what? Lots of lore is what it says. And so we've been right. speculating since the beginning what these little pips are called. We've called them pips. We've called them inkwells. We've called them snarf flats. And I actually made a meme about that. And they followed up with a tweet that said, we thought we cleared the air on this. And it referenced my tweet <laughs> where it was uh, talking about them being snarf flats. So they haven't confirmed that it's lore, but the back of the box and the text certainly makes it seem like those are what you would call lore. Right. One plus one for us is equaling two, but they <laughs> may have a different kind of math. I know. We will find out. Uh, the other thing that uh, he learned uh, was he asked actually asked the question about this, and that's what... Uh, so on the D23 cards, the in the bottom left corner, it says um, one... TFC for the first chapter in the set name is what we're assuming. 
And now in that section, it just says one. And he wanted to know why. And they told him it's because of localization, because when it goes into different languages, TFC may not translate the same. So they couldn't just put TFC because in another language, it may not have those initials in that language. So they would just got rid of letters entirely and just have it be the one because it makes it very easy to print the cards without having to change a lot of stuff in every language. Hmm. Very simple answer. <laughs> the last bit of information we got were the names of the artist for the two cards. So for Mulan, it was Mel Milton, who uh, does Marvel comic illustrations. And then for Hades, it's Alex Acorsi. Did I get that right? I think so, yes. but that means that's two new artists yeah. working on Orkana cards. So that's very cool. Very cool. Oh, so much information. And I think there might even be, is there anything else coming from the information from other people? There was Maybe. one other thing. Um, Flake was going to reveal something on his pod, Podcana, Podcana. Um, so which comes out Friday as well, but he put out a tweet saying that due to confidential uh, reasons, they were not going to reveal it. So oh, I think we're right. the last. Oh. But maybe next week we'll get more official information. We're definitely getting something on Valentine's Day. Yep, we do know that. There's a long story about why <laughs> they said so and then they took it back, but we we know now. Uh, so other news, uh, again, this whole thing was about Gen Con. So uh, for those who are listening to it before the 12th, that's when the hotel sale is for the hotel live lottery thing that they do uh, is on February 12th. Parking is available now. If you need parking, you can find the links on, I'm pretty sure they posted it on their Twitter and it's on their website. And I think uh, that's about it for the news. That's it. Yep. So let's do a round of Disney trivia or a Disney Jeopardy. And Disney today Jeopardy, I'm right. <laughs> today I'm Ooh. asking James the questions. Right, uh, I don't. I don't really have. Okay, there's there's a theme here. It's character, for the most right. part. So we're gonna go character one hundred. This is the name of Mufasa's trusted advisor in The Lion King. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call in my lifeline. Zazu, Zazu, that is correct. I, I could not remember that. My wife. I thought that it. was a she gimme. I know, okay. right? <laughs> James misses the 100 question. Great. <laughs> no, no, we'll give it to you. Uh, characters for 200. This is the name of Wendy's dog in Peter Pan. Oh, we just watched that. We just watched it. Oh my! We actually watched it the day before the 70th anniversary this week. Oh, nice. Um, uh, Mrs. No. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. My wife knows all of these things. I'll, obviously, I'm the one who forgets everything. <laughs> Nana, I knew that. See, we just watched it. I knew it. But you know what? It's 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 the pressure. The pressure's getting to me. It's so true. It is Nana. Yes. We'll see if I get any right. I you, I wasn't joking when I said let's see if I get any right. <laughs> All right, for 300, I feel like you're going to get this one. This is the name of the sorcerer in Fantasia. Oh, yeah, Yensid. What is Yensid? Correct. What is Yensid? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For 400, this is what the evil queen says to the mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? 
See, I think that's the, uh, what's that called? The Mandela effect? Because everybody thinks it's Mirror Mirror, but it's Magic Mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? Nice. Yeah, well, I got all but two words right. So (laughs) 75%. All right, we'll give you 75%. Okay, this one is a doozy. I will admit for 500, and you can ask your wife this one too. This is the name (laughs) of the prince from Snow White. Prince, is it Darling? No. Yeah, do they say it in the movie? I don't think they say it in the movie. It must be in the credits or something. Prince Bob. (laughs) Prince Florian. Florian? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I told you I had a doozy. (laughs) That is a doozy. Well, now you know. I got to go get some book of Disney facts and stuff and just start reading and like study like it's a like it's school or something well people won't enjoy it as much if we start getting them all yeah that's true it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) she just looked it up on imdb but hey you know what maybe they gave him the name in notes or something who knows that's just never said in the movie i would bet all right well that's all right um Yeah, that was a that was an epic podcast. (laughs) If you liked what you heard, uh, click like, subscribe, and follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me everywhere at Dan Regal, and you can check out GeekShotPhoto.com for uh, photography stuff and links for everything for my wife and I. Awesome! Thank you for listening.